Friends, I want to invite you to take out the other blue book, the one that's in the back of the seat in front of you or directly beneath your seat, the Torah commentary, because I want us to take a look at the opening of the Torah portion. And also, I need a fourth or fifth grade volunteer, just one. I need one. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, all right, I got two volunteers from the back. All right. You guys, yeah, you can go around. Go ahead, Reese. All right. Reese, Darren, how are you? Okay, so uh, I'm only going to ask you to read English. Okay. It's easy, okay? Turn to page 306, please. Did I say 306 yet? Not yet. 306. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Page 306 is where this week's Torah portion begins. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. My, my trusty uh, assistants here are going to read in English, and I'm going to translate into English. <laughs> well, you'll see how it goes. You'll see how it goes. So it starts at the top of the right-hand side of the page, page 306. You'll see that the very first... Can anybody pronounce the very first Hebrew word? Well, you're... Good job. I don't want to say you're cheating. Good job. You studied. Exactly. Studying is not cheating. Studying is work. I love it. Vayechi. This week's Torah portion is called Vayechi. It is, uh, that's, that's, uh, most Torah portions are named for the first important Hebrew word. And this very first Hebrew word is Vayechi. You guys are not going to have to read in Hebrew. Okay. okay. English. Okay. So restart, please. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years. Okay, in English, that means our ancestor Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years. Okay, keep going. Jacob's days, the years of his life, were 147. So that means that Jacob was 147 years old. Does it literally mean that Jacob was 147 years old? Yes. What does it really mean? He's old. He's old. Okay. All right, Darren, Darren, your turn. You read from here to there. When Israel's time to die drew near. Okay, Israel is another name for Jacob, so we're talking about the same guy. When he was old and he was not in good health. Yes, thank you for blowing into the microphone. Okay, keep going. He summoned his son Joseph and said to him. He said, Joseph, come, come. I have something to tell you. If I have but found favor in your sight. If you really love me. If you really love me. Yes. Please put your hand under my thigh and treat me with faithful kindness. So that was how they swore in those days, okay? Please shake my hand and promise me. What is he going to promise me? Please do not bury me in Egypt. I don't want to be buried here where I live now these last 17 years. I want to be buried where? Where? France, did you say? (laughs) My ancestors, where my ancestors live. In where? In where? Where? Not Egypt, but in? In Israel or close to Jerusalem. Exactly. Where he had lived. What's the math? How long had he lived there? If he was 147, lived 17 years in Egypt, he lived there for 130 years, you know, give or take. He went on some trips, but okay. Okay, now we're back to Reese. When I am laid, what? 
Yeah. When I am laid to rest with my ancestors. Okay, when it's time to bury me in the family plot. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial. Burial. Burial place. Yeah, don't bury me here where I don't know anybody, where my family's not from. Bury me in our family plot back in Israel, okay? And? He will, he replied, I will do as you say. Joseph said, okay, Dad, okay, okay. Darren, go ahead. He said, swear it to me. No, Joseph, no, don't just tell me okay. Swear it to me, promise me. So Joseph swore to him. Israel then bowed down at the head of the bed. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. Well done. We're just reading that paragraph. Well done. Well done. Well done. Okay, Darren. Darren, thank you. Well done. Okay. Thank you. All right. Why did I ask us to all look at the opening of Parashat Vayechi? Because I want us to consider how Joseph felt, uh, sorry, how Jacob felt at the time. And whether he felt at home or a stranger. It's pretty clear. He was not comfortable. He was not happy being in Egypt. Yes, he had lived there for 17 years, but he didn't consider that home. Don't leave me here. Don't bury me here. I want to go home where I'm most comfortable. Guys, I want us to think about tonight, I want us to think about how we feel at home, how we feel comfortable, how we feel part of a group, when we feel part of a group, and when or how we feel separated from a group. Sometimes, in fact, we do this to other people. We make people feel like they are not part of our group. We have a word for it now, actually. Everybody heard of the word othering? To turn the word other into a verb. You make someone into, you're different. You don't belong here. You're not like us. You're not part of our group. Raise your hand if you've ever felt this. If you've ever been felt, you've ever felt like you're being made to feel like you are other, like you don't belong. Raise your hand if you've ever, maybe it's when you went to a, a new school and you felt like you didn't have anybody to sit next to at lunch. That's happened. Or a new camp for the first time and everybody seems to know all the songs and you don't know what they're talking about. Now here's the harder part. Raise your hand if you're willing to admit that you might have in some way played a role in othering someone else. When someone else new came to your school or your camp or your community or your synagogue or any institution, any group, or your family, and you sort of said, well, they have to prove themselves. I don't know if they're really a part of us. For all those of you who are willing to raise your hands, however tentatively, I applaud you because it is hard for us to acknowledge that sometimes we do this. Thank God in the Jewish world this has been a quiet week, the first in several. Many of us here know that this has been a time of a lot of unease because of a 
epidemic, there's no other word for it, an epidemic of anti-Semitic acts. And real acts. Some of them extremely violent. Some of them violent but not extremely violent. Acts against members of our community. And last Sunday, there was a big march, a solidarity march from Manhattan to Brooklyn. Did anybody here go to that? Anybody part of it? No. Oh, I saw a hand, but not really. I, I wasn't able to go myself, so I asked some members of our congregation, how was it? What did it feel like? What was it like to be there? And they all said it was good to be there. They felt strong being there. But one persistent question that ran through everybody who I spoke to and some of the news reports, people said, I wonder, where are they? Where were they? Now, who's the they in this? Well, many of these anti-Semitic attacks were directed at the Orthodox community, people who look a little bit different from us, people who look very visibly Jewish. Now, I know right now I look very visibly Jewish. But most of us in the Jewish life that we live here in Westport, Weston, and Connecticut, we could look like any other person, Jewish or not, most of us. I mean, I wear a kippah most of the time. But most of us don't. Most of us don't live an identifiably Jewish life. We are doing something very Jewish right now for Shabbat, but we don't live day-to-day, minute-to-minute, an identifiably Jewish life like some of our neighbors do in places like Muncie or Brooklyn or the victims in Jersey City where they dress in a visibly Jewish way and they eat in a visibly Jewish way and they live their entire lives week-to-week in a very visibly Jewish way. Some of the people who participated in the march said, where were those people, them, the Orthodox, who were attacked? Why weren't they here? That was a very problematic statement for me because it othered them. It separated us, the we'll call it reform conservative religiously liberal Jewish community who made up the majority of the marchers from the identifiably orthodox Jewish community who was the target of this violent anti-Semitism. It separated us. And somehow we became the ones who were othering them. Ironically, even in the midst of anti-Semitism, which others all of us from the majority of humanity. Does that make sense? Could this have been Jew-on-Jew anti-Semitism? It wouldn't be the first time, I'll tell you that. There's so many examples throughout Jewish history. 2,000 years ago, do we know why the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed? Well, essentially because the entire Jewish community had divided into factions which had very different views of Judaism, very different, different views of the world. And without going into all the details, they did not get along. And our rabbinic sources teach us that the, that the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was destroyed because of baseless hatred among Jews. Now, I don't know when your family immigrated to this country, but some of you actually have probably studied about Jewish immigration to this country. Yes? Raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah, some people. Okay. 
Part of my family, my dad's side of the family, was from Germany, and they came over in the 1840s and 50s and 60s. My mom's family came later. They were from Eastern Europe. They came in the early 1900s. The German Jews who were already living here looked at their fellow Jews who were arriving several decades later, and they said, whoa, we are not comfortable with these people. They saw the newcomers as uneducated, unsophisticated. They were embarrassed by them. They said, you can't live near us. You can't go to our schools. They said, you can't come to our synagogues. Believe it or not, there were synagogues just for German Jews that didn't allow Russian or Polish or Yiddish-speaking Jews to join them. True. So the question for us today is how much do we see the Orthodox as part of our community? How much are we an us? A unified us, not an us and a them. What do we think of when we see someone who's wearing payas, a wide black hat, a dark coat all the way down, a big beard, that's a man at least, or a woman with dress, long dress, sleeves down to, he, to here, perhaps a wig or a head covering, scarf on her head, someone who's dressed identifiably as an Orthodox Jew. Do we see them as, do we see a connection with them? Do we feel a connection with them or do we feel a little bit uncomfortable? Probably a little bit of both, I want to say. It's not an either or, it's not a clear dichotomy. Probably a little bit of both. There are certain reasons why Orthodox Jews dress that way. One of them is to say, visibly, I am not like everybody else. I am different. I have a certain way of praying and eating and living my life. One of the reasons that we love being Reformed Jews is we don't want to separate ourselves so much from the rest of society. We want to separate ourselves in some ways, but not in other ways. So tonight, I don't have a particular answer to this, but I'm challenging us to think about the degree to which we other members of our own Jewish community because of what they do or where they live or how they dress. And as part of that conversation, we could also talk about what do they say or think about us. But right now, for us in this room, there's work for us to do, I believe. I'm not worried about them right now. I'm worried about us. Especially because this epidemic of anti-Semitism, while currently directed at those who are most visibly Jewish, Knows no boundaries. Thousands and thousands of people marched, whether they themselves were the targets or not, because they felt, and we all feel, that we are an us, that we are in this together, that we need to walk together and to stand together and to be together with one another as we are tonight. Beautiful to see. Because the world has othered us enough for generations, for millennia. 
we have felt like Jacob. Do I really belong here? I just want to be with people who know me, where I feel comfortable. Well, that's not just the people in this room, thank God. That is Jews who look different from us, who behave differently from us, who live in different places from us. We are knit together. And as the Talmud says, kol Yisrael aravim zeh one of the most important principles in the Talmud. Each Jewish person is responsible for one another. May it always be so.